So Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover meal for us that we may eat it. They asked him, where do you want us to make preparations for it? Listen, he said to them, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks you, where's the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs already furnished. Make preparations for us there. So they went and found everything as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover meal. When the hour came, he took his place at the table, and the apostles with him. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover meal with you before I suffer, for I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves, for I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he did the same with the cup after supper, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Amen. Amen. Let's take just a moment and take in that word from our Sean to be the word at this moment, that we would be present to this word from God. God, may we be present to your word today and take it in and become living epistles that we would be the word that you speak to us. This is God's word for us. Thanks be to God. You know, I love when you don't have a conversation with somebody and then they actually say exactly what you had hoped. And, and so even when Arshan was reading and he said, this is my body, I don't know if you noticed that he just put his hand right on himself there, this is my body. And if we understand the scripture, we are the body of Christ. Christ is the head, we are the body. And there is something about this new covenant that doesn't make God over there, but that we are the temple for God's own spirit. And we can, you know, we can walk with God in ways and see God in ways and experience God in ways we never have before if we're present. If we're still somewhere else last night, whatever you did last night or whatever you did this morning, we might miss being present to the presence of God right now. But if we just take a breath and say, God, I want to be present to what you want to say to me today, we could say, this is my body, and I'm bringing it to you, God. Would you say that? Just in your own way, you can be silent about it or out loud, but this is my body, and I want to be present 
to you today. I want to be present to the presence of Christ in words, in bread and wine, in this church, in my living room, in my car. I love that as uh, we've been going through this series, and Scott has pointed out Jesus coming on the scene to make everything what? New. Let's say it together. New. And new is good, you know. We love new, don't we? Some people like the smell of a new car. I don't. Um, I like it after it's had a few French fries in it and, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, we do love new, and I, I appreciate God for using the word new to wake us up. You know, it's like when you hear the word new, you just kind of want to sit up a little straighter for a new movement, a new agreement, or a new command, or even a new meal, a new meal. Think about this for a minute, you all. Jesus utilized the Passover meal to declare something bigger than Israel's deliverance from Egypt was about to take place. Sweetheart, can you bring me the book that's in my bag there, uh, the irresistible book? Something bigger than Israel's deliverance was about to take place. I want you guys to think about this for a minute. That here is Jesus celebrating the Passover meal, which is the story of the Israelites coming out of slavery and bondage. And now Jesus is saying, it's about me. It's all about me. Now imagine celebrating this new meal in that moment after having experienced the Passover meal all your life as, as Jewish people. Like they had, they had celebrated Passover their whole lives since they were little, little people. And now Jesus is saying, oh, oh, by the way, this meal is about me. You know, it's kind of like the, um, uh, if I stood up here today and, and I said to you, you know, Valentine's Day, um, although you may think it's about Hallmark or maybe you go even, you know, farther back to a pope named Valentine or, or a female saint named Valentine or another saint that was a priest that married people, whatever the history is. And what if I said Valentine's Day is about Claire Loridge? Just want you all to know that today. Forget whatever you were going to do with other people. It's all about me. Right? Well, Lord have mercy. Can you imagine being these guys at the table? Like, are you kidding? This is about us being delivered from the hands of slavery. And you're saying it's about you now? I think we got to go back to that table for a minute and think of what we might have thought. Or if I started to tell you things like Christmas or Easter, we're all about Scott. We just want you to know it doesn't have anything to do with anything but Scott. Scott is the, the new celebration of Christmas and Easter. Right, right, right. You, you guys know you'd leave, right? And the elders would uh, have a conversation with us, right? We would, it, would be, it, would be, it would be crazy. So we have to realize that Jesus at this Passover meal was flipping it all and saying it's really about something bigger that you never even imagined. So when we look at the book Irresistible, you can... You can if you don't read any other chapter, would you please read chapter 7? I mean, chapter 7 will just cause you to sit up and, and take notice of the irresistible love of God. And then to say, oh God, am I that irresistible? 
that I bring the presence of Christ in ways like ask yourself, how, how am I showing up with this new kind of covenant inside of me? I wonder if there are things that you have put so much stock in that anytime somebody says something new, you go, that's not true. That, no way, no way. And you have five reasons to say why it's not true. Or do you get curious? Like these guys at the table, they're sitting there eating. Their curiosity was piqued. They didn't start to rebuke Jesus and say, this is about that. But they they had been around Jesus enough that they knew if Jesus was saying something was new, that they should sit up and pay attention. Like, what is Jesus about to do? I wonder if you even know of any perspectives or convictions or dates or traditions or celebrations in your life that nobody should mess with. Like, don't even tell me that's about that right? Don't even, don't even mess with that day. This is what I do. I, they say it's my birthday. You know, I mean, however you celebrate the way you celebrate. So I'm Sicilian. My dad made Christmas Christmas. It was not about stuff. We got very few things, but we sang Oh Holy Night. We went to mass together. We, we went through the list of Christmas hymns. We ate, we drank, we worshiped, we laughed, we played, we ate like crazy. It was, honestly, our Christmases were the closest thing to heaven uh, I ever experienced. And I, I really, it was like we longed for Christmas Eve because it was beautiful. And when my dad passed, our family has not gotten together in three years. I have to tell you, it has upset my worldview. <laughs> None of my kids want to sing with me. Like the, the little, little, little grandbabies, they'll sing with me. But everybody else is like, except for my daughter-in-law, Libby. Every now and then, she'll just put up with me and start singing something. They go, oh, yeah, Libby's still trying to impress her mother-in-law. And we laugh about it. But, but we're not, I mean, Scott sings with me. He, he's put up with that part of our relationship all these years. And, and I, but I have to tell you that I had to find a new way of loving Jesus on Christmas Eve without my dad, without the magnificent, fabulous Sicilian family gathering together. I had to find another way. And so if I put my kids in that spot and say, this is the way that we will celebrate Christmas, I'm not going to experience what God wants to give us in the new, right? How does God want to be with you in this new way? Of course, Jeremiah, we read it uh, as Christine read to us from the call to worship about this new covenant, and it won't be like the covenant that was made with the ancestors. When they, I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me. And from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I'll forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. I mean, that, are you at the no more place with people's sins yet? I mean, that is, that is a statement that was brand new. Because as Scott was teaching us over these last few weeks, it's like, if you will, then I will do. And now the covenant is about the faithfulness of God. 
the life of Christ. This new agreement between God and people is for every nation and every generation. Fulfilled God's promise, this, this new agreement at the supper table actually fulfilled God's promise to Sarah and Abraham. And if you haven't listened to the series, go back and, and pick up on that. And then it's the finale of agreement with ancient Israel. So, Pastor Stanley says to us in the book, whenever the church opts to mix the old with the new, bad things happen and people get hurt. So I want you to think about, how has mixing old with new hurt you or someone you know? Like when I first gave my life to Christ in the Catholic Charismatic Movement, I, you know, it was like a, an opening up further to the move of the Holy Spirit because as a, as a Catholic girl, we never rejected the movement of the Holy Spirit. It was always like, you know, the Holy Spirit's here, right? Watch out what you're doing, right? And then the Catholic Charismatic Movement was... I'm embodying the Holy Spirit, and now I can actually experience the move of the Spirit in my life. And then when we went to an Assembly of God Bible College, they, they, uh, I, you know, there were a few dear people that told us that Catholics weren't saved. And I was like, oh my gosh, my whole family. What, oh my, my whole family. And I, I got to go preach to my family. And my dad would look at me and say, sweetheart, yes, this is our faith. And, and, and then he would ask me things like, who's teaching you? Uh, who is, who's teaching you? And it's like, well, it's Jesus. And then he'd say, well, good. You know? And then we started to understand that both of us loved God in our very different ways of loving God. And, and yet, there were people that I was in fellowship on both sides that really didn't think, like, if you were on that side, you couldn't possibly know Jesus. Or if you were on that side... You couldn't possibly know Jesus. And you know what happened? A lot of what you've seen happen in these last days, that there is real problems in the church. People saying, you, you know, it's us and them, right? Because they're hanging on to some scripture in some old way that's keeping them from understanding that God has made a way. Instead of saying God has made a way, we actually get in the way of people coming to know Christ because we're just, we just get hateful, people. We get hateful. It's like we, we love the fact that God's all-knowing. God knows everything. We love the fact that God's all-powerful. God can do anything. But when we say God is all-loving, it's like, well, not really. Like God loves these people, but not these people. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Okay, anyway, hey, if somebody could uh, turn the air conditioning off, I'm seeing people, like, bundle up and they're, they're, they're freezing. So if we could get just a little more heat, that would be awesome. Can we say thank God for people who can fix the heat? Thank you, Jesus. I want to say that the love of God has been made manifest at Crossroads Church this week. We found out that Don Capo, our beautiful pastor Don, um, has COVID-19. And... And the truth is, is that, you know, he, um, he is one of those people you do not want to get COVID-19 because he has weakness in his body. But, but God, can everybody say, but God? And so everybody that knew started to pray for him and pray for him. And the love of God just started pouring out, right? The love of God from those who believe in the vaccine and those who don't believe in the vaccine just started pouring out for Don. Hallelujah. Can you guys say hallelujah on that? 
And then, you know, and then lo and behold, Don gets taken uh, right away within hours of discovering to the University of Michigan for one of those big boy treatments of not just five, not five treatments, one whole humonga treatment, all five in one. And Don, I, I have to tell you, you, do you know that's a miracle too? Do you know that's a miracle too? You talk about God moving on the highway. You talk about the, uh, you know, God making a way where there seems to be no, no way. And you have to know that some of us in our family who know Don's condition thought, if anybody should not get COVID, Don, we don't want Don getting COVID. So anyway, do you want, want to give thanks and then just say, oh God, finish the work in Don's body today, we pray. Oh, God, bless Don from the top of his head to the tip of his toes. God, thank you that the fever's broken. Thank you that he's not coughing. Thank you that you gave him gifts through prayers and medicine. And, God, we are so grateful. We're so grateful for his life, that he's, he is on his road. And we're blessed, and we give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. And everybody said... Amen, amen, amen. And so if you actually were like these people that said, no, only God or only science, Don might not be here on this day. Can I just say that to you? Do you realize, oh, I'll tell you some things today. Mixing old ways with the new can be dangerous theology. Things like slavery, anti-Semitism, racism, those all came, you know, through the church too, using scripture. Does anybody know that? Yeah, not Jesus, not the Spirit of Christ, but snapshotting and proof texting, or the subjugation of women. Or, or my favorite, um, Solomon, he and I are going to have a long conversation in eternity, I can tell you. I'm not looking for marriage or dating advice from Solomon. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm, not, I'm not looking for the guy who has a thousand women in his life to find out about love. Go ahead and say amen. Amen. And then those persecuted by the church, like uh, Joan of Arc. Watch the movie about Joan. I mean, she, they, they're, she, they make her put women's clothes back on, right? Because they think that's part of why she's a heretic, you know? Because, because she saw things in the spirit, and that was why she was a heretic. Because the priest didn't see what she saw. So how could it be possibly true? Okay, check her out. Or Galileo, because science and faith, how in the world could they ever go together? And C.S. Lewis, don't you know he's the best-loved heretic ever? Did you guys know that? I mean, how many of you have ever quoted C.S. Lewis on your Facebook page or somewhere in something? Yeah. And we all love C.S. Lewis. You don't realize people thought he was a heretic while he was alive. They called him a heretic, and he was one of the most beloved heretics. I love C.S. Lewis. And then how about the civil rights history, including the tragedies in the churches in Montgomery and Charleston? Done by mixing old and new. People thinking that they're taking steps to work for God, and then we don't love. Or Dr. Martin Luther King. You know, one of my favorites with Dr. King is the letter from the Birmingham jail. All of you who know me know that I read it every year on his birthday. Because it's written to dear fellow clergy members. Can you all say that? Dear fellow clergy members, lend me your ear. Right? I came across your recent statement calling my present activities unwise and untimely. Seldom do I pause to answer criticism of my work and ideas. If I, if I sought to answer all the criticisms that came across my desk, my secretaries would have little time for anything else. Right? 
Anyway, I, I won't get into all that. Read that yourself. It's a great, for Black History Month, read the letter to, from the Birmingham jail. It's good for you. And then, or how about the thing with Beth Moore? Have you guys seen any of that? That's been fun. At the Truth Matters Conference, the MC would give a word to the panelists and, get, and say, just give me one word, you know, give me one word when I say the word. And so to this one pastor, he says, Beth Moore. And this pastor says, go home. There's no case that can be made biblically for a woman preacher. Period, paragraph, end of discussion. And I'm just fascinated by this kind of behavior between Christians. It's like, okay, dear Christian, if you're preaching the gospel of capital L, like everything hangs on these two things. Like, no, not 613 commandments. No, not even 10 commandments. But hangs on these two. Love God with your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If what you're doing, saying, quoting doesn't hang on that, let it go. So I just want to say, yeah, there's lots of people. You know, Andy Stanley, um, this book that you're reading, I don't know if you know it, but some people are calling him a heretic. And um, I loved it because we looked it up. You know, Andy Stanley's new book, this is one of, from one of the uh, heresy-hunting bloggers. Andy Stanley's new book, Irresistible, is positively infuriating. Why? Because it gets to some things very, very right while absolutely butchering other items of, of critical importance. And I suppose that shouldn't be surprising. This is par for the course with Stanley. He's an incredibly gifted communicator who's in the habit of making terrible theological statements and set on a semi-consistent basis. Then he says, let me break it down for you. Because, of course, every human being in this room is perfect, and we could break it down way better than Pastor Andy. We're, we're all humans, friends. And trust me, none of us have all of our theology right, because God is mystery. And God is the overwhelming, never-ending, ever-increasing, bringing God's own presence to us that we can learn. And if we can teach this to our children, they won't get involved in all the baloney. If we could actually teach them to say, oh, well, that makes me curious. Oh, I wonder about that, instead of shooting back another scripture that just gets the fight bigger. So everybody say amen or ouch. Okay, and then... So Scott and I just wanted to share our tiny story as part of the bigger story. So this week, our co-authors got called to come on a podcast because someone had posted and done a podcast about us being heretics. Scott and I and the Reverend Dr. Doug Calhoun and the Reverend Adele Calhoun, people who've devoted their lives to loving Jesus and getting it wrong and getting it right, we, so anyway, so somebody, somebody decided to do a podcast and then actually listed uh, what we're getting wrong. And one of my favorites was that we were new age. And so I said to Scott, I think I better look that up because, you know, maybe we are. Because I, I don't know, because I like the word new, so I'm not sure what new age even means. So I have to look it up. So I looked it up and, you know, one of, the, one of the things that it said about New Agers is that we don't, we, we just believe that God's like in all the rocks and all the trees and, and that there's no real deity. And, and I'm thinking to myself, have you ever listened to our messages? Can we all just say the name Jesus together? Jesus. Can we all say that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us? And Christ has made us the temple for his Holy Spirit. So whatever. So that was fun. And then one of the other things they say is when we use the word benevolent, 
that is very new age and is very panentheism and is very perennial. I had to look up perennial. Like, what is perennial faith? I don't know. No, I'm not teaching that. I'm teaching, I'm teaching that everything hangs on two things, loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself and reading the Scripture through that lens. That lens, my friends. That's the lens we read through. So anyway, so I had to look it up. And then beloved, so Scott and I were laughing. We're like, oh, so what do you do with First John? Beloved, let us love one another. Yeah, we use the word beloved all the time. Do you know you're the beloved of God? Do you know that you are the beloved of God? So what do we want to say? You're the hated? You're the almost liked? You're least likely to be liked? I mean, beloved, let us love one another, for love comes from God, and everyone that is born of God knows and loves God and walks in the love of God and walks in humility, by the way, is another word. So anyway, are you guys with me still? Whenever the church opts to mix the old with the new, bad things happen and people get hurt. And hey, by the way, I don't have any problem if somebody criticizes me to me. But don't criticize me publicly without asking me to come on your podcast and answer the questions. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not even mad. Scott and I and Doug and Adele are getting married, getting married, getting, getting together tomorrow. We're going to write a love letter to them and just say, Beloved, we are happy to have a conversation with you at any time, any time, because we know that many times when people do these things, it's because they're afraid that people are going to be deceived. And they feel like it's their job to make sure everybody is on the right page. But we can't do that if we don't have conversations. So, beloved, everybody just say beloved. Take a look around at the beloveds in this room. All the imperfect beloveds that have a theology that has holes in it right now on this day. You all have a hole in your theology. Right? Just go ahead and say, sister, you got a hole in your theology. Right? Because we are ever knowing God from glory to glory, from faith to faith. I want to know more about my Jesus. I want God to correct us when we're wrong. And amen and amen. See, the new meal, friends, is not a ritual, but say it, a relationship. It's not, you don't need a priest or a pastor to have this communion meal. It's not required. It's not if you look in the New Testament, they were having meals in their home. That's what we love about COVID. No. Wrong way to say that. That'll get snapshot proof texted. Someone's going to create a blog about what, what, thank God for COVID. Okay. So thank God we've learned this through COVID, that we can take communion in our living room, right? And it's not your perfection at the table, but present to the reality of Jesus, perfection, life, death, and resurrection, gathered around a shared salvation, and not a disregard of the old, friends. No, 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 no. Thank God for what we've learned throughout all of the scriptures, but a heart for God now in Christ. Can you guys say now? Howard Thurman said communion is symbolically an experience of total surrender to or a taking into oneself of his Christ, spirit, and life. That's what this is. It's not about your perfection. It's about taking in this reality of Christ's life and living the life of Christ. So you guys can start playing. 
Jesus said it this way, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you what? Must love one another. There it is. It's the big, hairy, audacious idea. This beautiful painting done by Pastor Helen. And Father, we just pray for Helen. And we pray, God, that you would, you would touch her body today and all that she is facing in her body. And, and um, even the, the letter we got from her about the cancer returning. We bless our sister, Helen. We love her so much, God. And we pray that you would touch her from the top of her heads to the tip of her toes. Bless her, oh God. And God, thank you for Helen and the gift that she showed us Jesus at the table with everybody. Like a new command. A new command to be at the table with everybody, Beth and that pastor, right? Everybody, those that write articles about people and us, let's sit at the table. Let's break bread together on our knees in humility that we're all growing and learning about God today on this day. Remember the new covenant, the new agreement, the new meal, the new command, friends. This is what we want to. Can you say remember? The reason remember is so important is, friends, you could forget what it's like to be loved if you haven't been looking face-to-face -face with someone who loves you lately. And if you've not been loved well, you'll, you'll not love well. When you love well, you can say, let us break bread together on our knees. Let's find a way to see the love of God in each other. When we remember, when we're lonely, we remember we are not alone because God is ever present with us. And God is not rejecting us. When you feel alone, you are beloved. And you could say it to yourself. You could say, I am the beloved of God. Go ahead, tell yourself today. Remember that. When you feel like you, you have no answer, would you remember that Jesus is your answer? And that the love of God, may it be shed abroad in our hearts that we would know the height and the depth and the breadth and the length of the love of God that passes all knowledge and the ability to quote and prove text. This is who we come to sing to, friends. This, the one that welcomes us at the table, that welcomed betrayers at the table, that welcomed the ignorant and the flawed theology at the table and welcomed people, you know, was giving this new covenant to people that called him, Jesus, a blasphemer and a heretic, in case you forgot. He was called those things. And yet Jesus kept moving in when people kept moving away. So when you eat this bread and drink this cup, remember, remember, friends, and so let's stand together. We'll join in the liturgy together. You can open your communion elements. And let's receive these elements as a sign of our belovedness, a sign of the love of God. And if you have never entered into a relationship with God through Christ, today I welcome you to come. That actually if you went and got the bread and the juice from your living room, wherever you are right now, that you can come to the table and say, this will be my first new meal with you, Jesus. I heard that you love me and I want to know your love. And friends, let's, let's, let's remember this love today. 
The Lord is with you. The Lord is with us all. Lift up your hearts. I lift my heart to you. Everyone, give thanks to Christ our Lord. I want to give you thanks and praise. We come to the table because we are perpetually invited. We come to the table celebrating that God comes near to us. We come to the table acknowledging our participation with God and with others. We come to the table remembering and proclaiming God's story centered on Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. We come to the table anticipating God's healing in our own lives and the world. And so this day we join with the saints and the angels in the chorus of praise that rings through eternity, lifting our voices to magnify you as we sing. Bless the Lord, O my soul, O my soul. I worship God's holy name. I sing like never before, O my soul. I worship your holy name. On the night before he died for us, Jesus was at table with his friends. He took the bread. He gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember, friends, and say, Jesus, we remember you. Jesus, we remember you. As supper was ending, Jesus took the cup of wine. Again, he gave thanks to you. He gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for all for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. And together, friends, let's say, Jesus, we remember you. Jesus, we remember you. Oh, no. 
So will you thank God in all the ways that you've been able to see? Say, thank you, God, for the ways you've let me see. And God, would you heal my blindness in the places where I'm unable to see? Would you continue to open my eyes all the days of my journey home? Say that to God, that I would never be, I would never be closed, that I would awaken daily to your word, to your voice, to your presence, to every new morning mercy you offer me. And may I be a, an instrument, may I be an instrument, may I be a bringer of this good word. And so now I bless my friends in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And pray, God, that your spirit lead and guide them every day of this week, in every conversation, in every contemplation, in every interaction, in every criticism. May we be the people of God for the purpose of God in this time in history. Amen. Guys, have a beautiful week. You are loved. Tell someone they're beloved before they leave. Give them the sign of peace. Give them the sign of love. Go, go ahead, say, I heart you, however you want to do that today. And we love you guys.